All right. So the next topic is nervous system regulation. And let me check the chat super quick. Okay, cool. Um, hopefully, yes, I'm really, really hoping that the internet is okay. Like I said, if it's not, I will re-record this tomorrow. Hopefully not. Okay, nervous system regulation. Let me ask you a really important question. When you're understimulated, meaning when you are at home, it is the weekend, you don't really have much going on, and you are trying to find something to do, and your brain is telling you nothing is good enough. Nothing sounds good. Nothing is really gonna scratch the itch. You want something, you wanna do something, but you have no idea what it is and nothing really feels like it's gonna do it. That is understimulation. So if you've experienced this before, right, the kind of excruciating boredom of understimulation, did, were you aware, did you tell yourself, did you remind yourself when you were understimulated that you have in fact made it through every difficult, excruciatingly, painfully boring moment before? Do you remind yourself of that? Do you use it as a tool to comfort yourself or support yourself through the difficulty of being understimulated? If not, that is totally okay. ADHD brains and our all or nothing thinking kind of mean that we tend to have this, this paradigm in our brains that, oh my God, if I'm feeling this way, I'm going to feel this way forever. You know, I can say for myself, when my period is about to start and I experience emotional dysregulation as a result, I would think for years, years, oh my gosh, this is awful. The world is ending. I'm the worst and I'm going to feel this way absolutely forever. And then my period would start and I'd feel way better. And it took me years to recognize, oh, wait, there's a pattern here. Oh, wait, I think these actually might be related. And to create that awareness for myself. And so this idea of, you know, with understimulation, we, we felt it before, we've survived it, we have made it through. And that reminder of like, hey, I, this sucks. This is the absolute worst, but... I'm going to get through it and it's going to feel better soon. This is the idea that sitting with discomfort is a practice. Oh my gosh, have not plugged in my computer. Give me one second. I think I need to go find my uh, charger. Okay, water break. Be right back. Um... Okay, it was, it was actually right behind my computer, so we're good. All right, where was I? Yes, sitting, sitting in dis the discomfort of wanting, sitting in discomfort in general, it is a practice. It is something that we get better at over time as we practice it. And so we build emotional safety towards regulating our nervous system one baby, baby, baby teeny tiny tiny step at a time. It is not a light switch. It is not a light bulb moment. It is not a dramatic overnight transformation. It is literally built and created one tiny step at a time. I'll give you an example. Um, when it comes to setting boundaries, 
the first boundary I ever set was when I was 21. And it was terrifying to me. The concept of setting boundaries was absolutely terrifying to me. And I wanted to learn how to set boundaries when it came to my older brother, who's a lot. He's just a lot. He's very emotionally manipulative. He's very demanding. Um, and that's been a really big challenge for me my whole life. And so the first time I ever set a boundary, it was not with my brother. No, that would be on hard mode. That would be on extra hard mode. The first time I ever set a boundary, it was with one of my best friends. And I was still absolutely terrified. I was still thinking, I'm going to set this boundary and I'm going to get abandoned. I'm going to set this boundary and my friend is going to blow up at me and get so angry with me and never talk to me again. And even though this was a great friend and a really wonderful person and but it felt doable, right? Setting that boundary, it felt doable with my friend, not with my brother, but with my friend. It felt actually accessible, possible, still really hard, still really scary, but it felt like I could do it. And I did it and I survived. And it was actually like really lovely. My friend was super understanding and super supportive. And right, that was teaching my nervous system, hey, you didn't die. (laughs) The world didn't end. It is safe for you to set this boundary. And so, right, that doesn't mean I wake up the next day after and I go um, set a boundary with my brother, right? I need to create emotional safety for myself. And that is something that builds over time. And so that is a really, really, really important principle for this work. So to kind of give you, I think it is a really relevant example. um, And hopefully it's an example that resonates with most of you. Um. I guess the question I have is, have you ever experienced perfectionism? And if so, um, did you ever have a moment in your life where it really hit you full force and it just felt like you were paralyzed and stuck and just, you know, like glued to your couch and you couldn't get off or you couldn't, you know, unlock your eyes from your phone and the scrolling and you could not get yourself to get started because you were so worried about doing it wrong or not doing it well enough. Perfectionism is nervous system dysregulation. Perfectionism is not this separate entity, this solo singular sort of experience that some people have. Perfectionism is nervous system dysregulation. And let me let me kind of give you give you an anecdote. So, I have experienced perfectionism when it comes to writing the handbook for literally this class. The first week was really really hard. It was really challenging for me. I did a lot of writing, but the editing felt super overwhelming. And I found that I wasn't, I really wasn't doing it. It really, it really took me a long time. It took me till the weekend before to, to kind of really get a a head start on the edits. And this is a big project. This is one of the biggest writing projects I've ever done. And so with that, right, I'm finding myself freezing. I'm scared. I'm overwhelmed. I, right, I'm worried about rejection, perceived rejection, everything else. And the result of that was me doing a lot of dissociating, a lot of scrolling on Instagram, scrolling on TikTok, trying to avoid um, what I have coming and all of the work that I have to do. That is a freeze nervous system response, right? We have freeze, fight, flight, and fawn. That was a freeze nervous system response. I'll give you another example. I also had a moment working on this project where 
I started thinking and feeling like, oh my gosh, I have to do all this planning. Okay, let me make an outline. Let me do this, 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 and get a hold on it and get a grip on it and and also clean my entire house and uh, also check off like every personal task that I have going on in my to-do list, right? That, that is a flight response, right? That was fervent action of, oh my God, I need to do things. That was still actually in action. I wasn't, still wasn't doing the thing that I wanted to work on, that I needed to work on. So that was a flight nervous system response, um, right? And this all has to do with perfectionism and a, a dysregulated nervous system. And I'll tell you what, what kind of like kicked it on for me. Um, and especially this was even more the case for my last class that I did. I would say my, my emotional dysregulation class, this was fully the experience I was in freeze, I was in flight, and then all of a sudden, the deadline, the urgency rolled around, and then my brain decided, okay, we gotta go, we gotta get stuff done. And what was my nervous system regulated? No, absolutely not. It was adrenaline, it was stress hormones, it was stress, anxiety, cortisol, literally adrenaline. That is what, right, that's blasting through the safety of my nervous system, that is blasting through any any sort of creation of emotional safety and saying, nope, we don't have time to think about being safe. We just have to, to get over it, right? In, in super, super, super adrenaline mode and just get it done. And I did. But the cost, there was absolutely a cost. There was a toll, right? It was me feeling anxious for days. Oh my God, I'm not working on this. Oh my God, I need to be working on this. And after the fact, right, the, the marathon level effort that it took for me to finish my emotional dysregulation course, after it was done, I burned out hard. <laughs> I burned out so hard. There was about a week when I felt like I could not have done anything. And that's because, right, I, I used so much adrenaline and stress hormones to blast through the safety of my nervous system. And so I'm giving you this example. Um, well, first I want to say Consistency or sustainable effort is really hard in this context because our brains are wired to avoid discomfort. That is a really key important principle. Our brains are wired to avoid discomfort, especially ADHD brains. We are extremely sensitive to this. Okay, so let me jump a little further. So the same thing as the perfectionism, the fight or flight, or what is it, freeze, freeze flight responses, that happen with perfectionism, the same thing happens with impulse spending and hyperfixation spending. Spending sprees are a dissociative experience. We either go out, we go shopping, we get home, we see all the bags, we pull stuff out, and then we're like, wait, what the hell happened? How did I spend all this money? Or we're scrolling online, we're, we're shopping online, and we're dissociating, right? We're stuck on the couch for hours. We're not thinking, right? We're trying to escape our reality, we're trying to escape our world. And then of course we beat ourselves up, right? We beat ourselves up for spending money. We beat ourselves up for dissociating. We, which then creates more discomfort, which our brains then seek to, right? We seek to avoid, right? We want to not experience discomfort. Our brains run away from discomfort. And so where do we go? We go back to dissociating, scrolling, shopping. We go back to, um, you know, whatever sort of freeze or, or uh, freeze or flight experiences that we have 
when it comes to impulse and hyperfixation spending. So it just perpetuates the cycle. And so this journey is about creating consciousness around our spending. It is about regulating our nervous system, creating safety for ourselves and building that emotional security. And so, right, the goal is that we we no longer want to be unconscious and disconnected to the fact that we are in freeze or to the fact that we are dissociating. And I want to say very, very clearly, I do not believe dissociating is bad. I refuse to believe that. We need this, right? This is an important, important thing for us to be able to decompress, to take a break, to right, get a get some distance from everything that we have going on, especially, you know, if you've ever experienced extreme grief or trauma um, or a life-altering loss or periods of extreme stress and anxiety, you know, right, we need this. There are times in our life that we cannot sit in the discomfort because it is not safe. It is actually very dangerous to do so. So dissociation is a tool. And I think the most helpful thing is to create consciousness, right? To build that awareness around it. And so like do it on purpose, right? Check in with yourself. If you catch yourself scrolling, being like, hey, am I okay? Be gentle, be curious, be compassionate with yourself, right? Not beating ourselves up. Oh my God, I need to stop doing this. What's wrong with me? But am I okay? Am I feeling okay? What's going on? Is everything all right? And, you know, maybe even also asking yourself if you are in a freeze, a flight, fight, fall in response, I think it's really important to ask yourselves, what about the situation is making me feel unsafe? And how can I create more safety for myself? So let me tell you how I created safety for myself with this class. Um, this class that, and this is what helped me get through my freeze and my flight responses. So number one, lots of fuzzy things. Slippers, fuzzy robes, fuzzy blankets, soft pillows. I created a cocoon of comfort for myself because I knew that that's what I needed. I needed to create some safety, some comfort. I also gave myself a very large swath of time to work on it. So transitions are very hard when you have ADHD. And um, right for me in my work, I have lots of sessions scheduled during the day. I have time in between sessions and the expectation that I should be able to work on this class in between sessions is not a realistic one. I need transition time. And so with that, you know, I dedicated large swaths of time on the weekend um, when I when I didn't have sessions for me to work on this class because that gave me time to transition and settle into doing the work. And the next thing that really helped create safety for me is I did my sort of like perfectionism, um, what is it, perfectionism recovery strategies that I have. So I could teach a whole class on this, but number one, um, I choose, I actively choose to be someone who enjoys doing things that I'm bad at. Number two, I do things badly on purpose. So when it comes to, let's say, writing, instead of trying to write perfectly and amazingly and super, super well right off the bat, I will write about how scared I am, how overwhelmed I am, how worried I am, um, what I'm struggling with, what's, what feels hard to write. Why does it feel hard to write? And then all of a sudden I'm unblocked and I'm writing. Um, and then I practice doing less, right? Um, I set the bar really low so that I can have a history of success. I have a history of wins, which makes it more comfortable, right? Discomfort in my brain, trying to avoid discomfort in my brain. Creating a history of wins and successes means that I am more likely to come back to doing these things. 
Um, and then lastly, I used supported body doubling. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. Okay. Um, two other things. Ooh, almost forgot two other things. I set a new deadline. I'm not sure if all of you are aware of this, but my original goal was to have this whole entire handbook done before the class and have it to you, but that was not a realistic deadline. And so, right, creating safety for myself was not trying to bend over backwards to do a marathon sprint to finish this entire handbook in 24, 48 hours. It was to say, no, I have choice. I have autonomy. I have the power of choice here. I'm going to choose to release it by chapters. And that helped to create safety for myself. And the last thing I did was um, I embodied the words, I am a writer. And there was something about that that very profoundly worked for me, right? Connecting back to my dream of being a writer, right? 13-year-old me who who always wished that I, you know, would pursue a career in writing or editing, fiction, short stories. 23-year-old me who never, ever dreamed that that would happen because I was so entrenched in my lab job and very miserable there, and I just did not see a way out. Um, And then today is me who's writing a handbook, 20,000 words. Like, wow, okay, like that, that connection, that embodiment of I am a writer, maybe for you it's I am an artist. Whatever it is for you, sometimes that embodiment can help to connect with our values, connect with who we truly are. We're going to do lots more here when it comes to identity work. Okay, so big, important, key point. Our unconscious mind seeks to protect us. Our unconscious mind is extremely intelligent. Our nervous system is extremely intelligent. And, right, we need to honor honor that sometimes. When we are going through a freeze, a fawn, a fight or flight, we're doing, it's happening for a reason. It is not happening for no reason. There are good reasons, important reasons that give us very valuable information about ourselves, our needs, and how we are not feeling safe. And with that information, that is how we move forward. So again, sometimes the pain, the suffering that we are experiencing, it is too great. It is so much that we cannot sit with it without being, without it being very dangerous for ourselves. Like those are the times in our lives that we are in survival mode. You know, again, when we experience life altering grief or stress or loss. And in those moments, we just do the best that we can to keep showing up every day. And if we're seeking an escape in those moments, that makes complete sense. The goal here, the goal for ourselves is to honor our needs, right? What we can do regardless of the moment, if we are in survival mode or if we are, you know, kind of out of survival mode, the goal here is to honor our needs and take really, really, really good care of ourselves. So yeah, take really good care of ourselves when we're dysregulated, whether that is fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. Um, So to recap, I just want to make sure that I cover all of these really well. So freeze is a dissociative experience. It means that we are kind of feels like a little bit of zombie mode. Time passes, we have no idea how. Um, And it's happening because we do not feel safe. We do not feel, we do not feel safe. We feel anxious, overwhelmed, scared of starting. We're we're having some perfectionism come into play. Um, Freeze is happening for a reason. Not just because we're bored, but because we're quite avoidant. Flight is fevent, fevent, fervent? fevered, fervent action, 
um, but that is still in action. So we're doing a lot of things. Ah, look at me, we're doing a lot of things, but we're not actually doing the things that are related to the big important thing that we really want to be doing. Um, fawn is the ultimate people-pleasing response. Um, it is very submissive. It is very, yes, of course, I will do whatever you want um, just to, you know, kind of make the pers- other person happy in total disregard to your own needs and your own, you know, your own well-being, your own happiness, your own, yeah, your own needs. That's the word I want to use. Um, and then fight is often lashing out. It feels like anger. It's very explosive. It can be very, um, very disruptive. And so, okay, big, big stuff coming up. Oh my gosh. The juiciest part, how do we regulate our nervous system? How do we actually regulate our nervous system? I will tell you guys, I have been on Google many, many, many times Googling this question. How do I help myself when I'm in freeze? How do I help myself when I'm in flight? And like literally nothing pops up. So I hope these are helpful. Um, I'm trying to give very actionable, concrete steps for you to experiment with and see what works best for you. But the idea is to build yourself a toolbox, right? Um, a nervous system dysregulation protocol. Um, I, I talked in my other class about emergency um, emotional dysregulation protocols. I think the same principle applies to nervous system dysregulation. And I will say right off the bat, my personal preference is to follow my intuition and ask myself, what are my needs? But I will say it took a long time to get here. It took so much practice and it truly took me asking myself over and over and over because I had no idea what my needs were. I could say so easily what this person's needs were or what they expected of me or what they really wanted from me. But when it came to me and myself, what my needs were and identifying that was extremely challenging. Um, so it took a lot of practice. However, it's possible. It just takes that practice. It takes actively asking ourselves. And so I have some other techniques here that I hope will be helpful too. And these are one, again, try, experiment, see how it feels. Okay, so the first one is to take two short inhales through your nose and then blow out in one long exhale and repeat as many times as it feels good. So it'd be, that's the idea. The second work, the second one is breath work. And that's one that I'm sure many of us are very familiar with. It would look something like breathe in for five, breathe out for seven. So one, two, three, four, five, exhale for seven and then repeat, right? And the idea is to breathe in shorter and breathe out longer so that we create that calmness. The next one is movement. This one can be really, really great for when you're in freeze. So dancing, putting on some music, shimmying, shaking your whole body, tapping, um, having it, like I said, having a dance party, that's one of my favorite things to do. Um, All of that can be really, really useful to break out of a freeze. I'll give you my uh, my my very specific, very specific tip. If it's something like I'm endlessly scrolling and I really want to get up, but I feel like I physically cannot get up um, from the couch, from the bed to stop scrolling wherever else, I count down from 10 like I'm a rocket ship and visually imagine myself blasting off. That helps me. Um, so I just wanted to throw that out there. Another one is to rise up on your toes and then swiftly bring your heels down to the ground and feel the impact reverberate through your whole body. 
repeat as many times as you like. Um, this is one that I really like myself when I'm having a hard time. I remind myself that I am safe and I am loved. And I will sometimes repeat those words over and over and over again. Another useful strategy is to speak to yourself in the third person. Use your name, use the word you, like you can do this. Tina, you got this. Tina, everything's gonna be okay. That kind of phrasing, especially speaking very lovingly and compassionately to yourself, that can be really, really lovely. Another one is sensory stimulation. And so you can introduce auditory, visual, touch, taste, smell, um, all these kinds of stimulation depending on your personal preference. So whether that's jamming out to music with noise canceling headphones, playing ASMR, um, watching a visual stim video on YouTube, these are really fun, holding ice cubes, eating something spicy, that's always fun, or even using scented hand soap or lotion, that is all forms of stimulation. And that could be very regulating depending on if that's something that you like. If you don't know, definitely experiment with it. Um, another option are stim toys. Target has an amazing selection these days, um, but there's also a ton now of online stores that have stim toys for adults, kids, doesn't matter. Um, but if you've never tried using stim toys, they can be really lovely. Um, another one is using a weighted blanket Cuddling with soft pillows, stuffed animals, or your pets. Going for a walk in nature. Tearing up pieces of paper, punching a pillow, um, or muscular tension and release. So that's like tightening all the muscles in your body for 10 seconds, and then five to 10 seconds, and then release. And that contrast, that sort of release feeling can feel really good sometimes. So those are all, I would say, more classic nervous system regulation techniques. So now I'm gonna jump into some other ones that are a little bit more outside the box um, to some extent, maybe more abstract. Maybe that's the word I wanna use. So I personally find body doubling to be an incredibly regulating <laughs> nervous system experience. And let me tell you why. So not just any body doubling, you know, body doubling is a really common common tool for people with ADHD. I find that, again, I have to use it very intentionally. So body doubling, if you don't know, it's the act of completing a task while in the presence of another human, either virtually or in real life. And the human or human beings, plural, can either be aware that you're body doubling or be totally oblivious. So body doubling inherently happens in coffee shops, office spaces, and libraries but it can also occur when you're working in the living room while your partner is reading or playing video games. It really depends on what works best for your brain. And I think it's a great idea to experiment here. So some options for virtual body doubling um, are the account body doubling on Instagram and also Focusmate, the website, and focused.space. But my personal preference is to body double with an ADHDer who is there to get some executive, functionally difficult work done alongside me because it helps me feel really connected and understood. So I love working with people who also know, um, like I, I know them and they know a little bit about what I'm working on and why it's difficult for me, why I'm feeling stuck. And maybe they have something that they're stuck on because I feel like that creates a really supportive environment, at least for my brain, 
and again my nervous system like there is someone there saying yeah you got this you can do this and that feels really nice so the second one is practicing perfectionism recovery tools if you are a perfectionist or an all-or-nothing thinker very actively practicing perfectionism recovery tools doing less on purpose celebrating yourself for everything you do accomplish doing it badly on purpose changing your definition of success being someone deciding to be someone who does things that they're bad at all of these are really really powerful tools that can help with perfectionism and create more safety in your in your body and in your nervous system another one is adding stimulation and novelty so if you're feeling stuck give yourself a sensory fun experience like introduce novelty on purpose go to your favorite coffee shop take yourself to the local plant nursery and just walk around the greenery and see the flowers um smell your coffee beans or smell your your favorite tea leaves i think adding sensory experiences to our environment can help create safety and i did talk about some some ways that you can do that in the previous section another one is journal through you know i like to say journal through your executive dysfunction but also journal through your nervous system dysregulation so if you're experiencing a freeze or a flight it can be really helpful to write out you know and if you don't like journaling you can do voice notes you can text on your phone but it can be really helpful to write out what you're overwhelmed about what feels scary what your feelings are what is going on in your brain and your body what is the situation and sometimes that that is enough to undo a lot of the blocks um, to make things feel like they go a little bit easier and lastly i you know i think this is a really great strategy it's funny because I was just talking with a client today about how it's like a neurodivergent, neurotypical strategy to um, break things down into small, small, tiny, actionable pieces. And I think, again, that's a super effective strategy for neurodivergent people in some contexts, but in other contexts, especially when we have nervous system dysregulation, sometimes we just need a large, large swath, a, a, a block, a large block of unstructured time for us to settle into doing the thing um, or just to give ourselves permission to rest guilt-free because truly you deserve it. You deserve that 100%. So, okay, like I said, okay, we reached the end of this chapter. So I just want to say the work we are doing in this class, it does truly build on itself. And so we are going to learn even more tools for anchoring ourselves and sitting in the discomfort of wanting as we work through the rest of these chapters. Next week is shame and de-shaming. And I think that is a really, really powerful chapter that can make a lot of movement for yourself here. So I'm excited about that one. All right, so the reflection questions and exercises for this chapter, nervous system dysregulation can show up as fight, flight, freeze, and fawn responses. And I, you know, I'd be super, super curious to know, and I think it could be really useful for you, for you to know which nervous system responses do you tend to experience when it comes to your spending, right? When it comes to when you find yourself impulsive spending, hyperfixation spending, are you engaging in um, a freeze response or is it actually maybe like fight? Is there a combination going on? Like what is happening? What are your circumstances? What is going on? Second question, how can you create more awareness and consciousness to be able to recognize when you are dysregulated. What are your signs and what are your check engine lights? 
right? So for me, when I find myself scrolling on Instagram without even knowing how I got there, like I thought I was doing something else. Where, how did I end up here? That is my check engine light of, oh, I might be, <laughs> I might actually be dysregulated. My nervous system has some stuff going on. So I would really wanna know for you, what are your check engine lights? And the next question, how can you take really, really, really good care of yourself when you are dysregulated? What does that look like for you? What are the things that make you feel comforted or even make you feel 1% better, right? That idea of the toolbox or a dysregulation emergency protocol, having something, right, at, in, your, in your memory bank, right, in your resources list of, okay, when I'm feeling this way, this is what helps me. When I'm feeling this way, shimming, shaking it out, that is what helps me, right? We need to, we need to get the answers to those questions. We need to, to figure out what is comforting for us. Is it fuzzy slippers? Or is it listening to screamo music? Like when, what makes you feel 1% better? What is comforting to your nervous system? And that is a really individual question, um, but I would, I would love to know what it is for you. And then last, lastly, last exercise. If you find yourself about to impulse buy or drop money on your hyperfixations, try using these nervous system regulation tools in real time. So recall our money mindset chapter where we learned that it is okay, it is safe, we are learning, we are beginning to learn that is it okay and safe to want and desire because the list of things that we want is infinite and it will always be infinite. And so practice sitting in your discomfort and using these tools to regulate yourself in whatever way feels best, right? Honor your needs and meet your needs. Comfort yourself the whole way through and please, please, please reach out to the group if you need any support. And that goes without saying, truly, for for any of these, mm, I think my stream's messed up. We'll see. I'll see how it looks at the end. But again, for any of these concepts, if um, if you're stuck, if you're confused, if you're trying things and it doesn't really feel like it's working, if you have questions about the exercises, please reach out, please post to the group because I'm here to support you and we are all here to support you. So thank you so much for joining this class and I will talk to you guys this week and I hope you all, if you celebrate Thanksgiving, I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Okay, take care.